You're listening to the McKinsey on Consumer and Retail podcast, featuring wide-ranging conversations on the topics that matter most in the consumer and retail industries. I'm your host, Monica Toriello. Hello, everyone. We are in November. Feels like every year November comes around and we're like, where did the year go? At least I'm that way. I always feel like the holidays kind of creep up on me. But actually, by now, about half of U.S. consumers have already started their holiday shopping. And that is our topic for today, holiday shopping in 2023. Our two guests will talk about the very interesting findings of two consumer surveys they've conducted, one in September and one in October, just a few weeks ago. And these surveys have yielded valuable information about how U.S. consumers are feeling, how and when they plan to spend over the holidays, and what it means for retailers. So let me introduce our guests. Colleen Baum is a partner in McKinsey's New York office. Colleen advises retailers and apparel brands on a wide range of topics, including growth strategy, store footprint and format innovation, merchandise planning and inventory management and omni-channel fulfillment. And she also leads McKinsey's retail real estate work in North America. Thanks for joining us, Colleen. Great to be here. Thanks, Monica. And Tamara Charm is a partner based in the Boston office. She helps companies drive growth and innovation by applying a deep understanding of consumer sentiment and behavior. She gets into the why, the motivations that drive consumers to do what they do. And through this, she advises companies on how they can meet consumers' needs. Glad to have you with us again, Tamara. You've been here before. Great to be here, Monica. Thanks. So last year, around the same time, the two of you co-authored an article about the 2022 U.S. holiday shopping season. What's different this year? What are the two or three biggest differences in how U.S. consumers are shopping for the holidays this year compared to last year? Consumers are very much in a trade down mood. We thought they were trading down last year because they told us what's interesting for this year, which we did not expect, is that they're trading down even more although they're actually in a pretty decent, you know, the average consumer is in pretty decent financial shape, but there's more pessimism. Consumers are trading down because they're worried about what might come next. A second difference that we're seeing is that consumers, rather than rushing to the shelves and rushing to their phones and websites to buy something before everything runs out, are instead lengthening the holiday season, thinking about number one, when can I get the items that I want at the best price possible? And we're seeing some consumers say, I'm going to shop earlier because I think I'll get things at better prices earlier. And other consumers saying, I will shop later because I think that's when the best deals will be. So that is a huge difference this year that the holiday season, as you said, started early and will end late. We think it's just going to be longer this year. A third difference is that Before the holidays, we had a huge shift of consumer spend to travel and experience and in some ways self-care. What are experiences that I can have travel? What are goods I can buy, cosmetics that might help me take better care of myself? So I think we're coming into the holiday season with this focus on self-care and self-treating in some ways more elevated, but at the same time, people wanting to trade down and being afraid to splurge. I think that's right, Tamara. One thing I'd probably build on if we think about differences from last year to this year is 
23 has been a year of promotions in a lot of ways it has felt like a continuous run of promotions and we'll have to see retailers acting slightly differently or putting more urgency on consumers in order to get them to transact and make that purchase. I think we do expect a significant amount of waiting and monitoring to find the exact best price while at the same time having some concerns about product availability as well as getting it on time and ideally free. The one other big note that I'd say from last year is we're starting to see younger consumers really lead on new shopping behaviors. So specifically, much heavier emphasis on same-day delivery, much heavier emphasis on buy now, pay later, as well as some willingness to pay for those types of conveniences and fulfillment options. What retailers have been able to offer in terms of paying in installments and specifically buy now, pay later, is really interesting, especially to the younger generation. So we see over 50% of Gen Z saying that they think they will use buy now, pay later in their holiday shopping. So thinking about not only what you're providing, but then also how consumers are going to feel like they can afford it will be really important this year. In store continues to be a priority. So 85% of consumers will buy in store. A lot of research is happening in store. And finally, about 12% of consumers will expect to pick up their holiday goods in store. So it's consistent with a trend from last year, but I think actually a bit accelerated on some of the omni-channel interactions. Not just stores, not just online, it's really the combination of the two will be really critical from a shopping behavior this year. We see a lot of enthusiasm to come in stores We see a lot of enthusiasm to look at apps and to look at websites. Consumers are saying they're going to plan across all of those channels. And consumers are more and more expecting that anything they want, wherever they want, whenever they want it, they can get it. And they want retailers to understand who they are, when they're shopping, and where they might want to get something and coordinate. That is a challenge for retailers, but one where consumer expectations are sky high. Let's dig into some of those things that you've talked about, right? So first, this so-called you know Christmas creep, right? Some retailers started their holiday sales and promotions in September, maybe even August, right? And obviously, there are advantages to both retailers and consumers, right? It spreads out demand, and consumers can spread out their spending over a longer time period. But Colleen, you've mentioned you know there are trade-offs for retailers of a longer holiday season, right? There, it's essentially like they're training consumers to never pay full price, to always expect discounts and promotions. What are the best practices there, and how can retailers best take advantage of what's become essentially a three or four month holiday shopping season? So for consumers, a longer holiday period and promotions starting in September, even you know some of the July promotions, is quite good. I think the challenge will be can't consistently show a 40% off and create any urgency. So you see leading retailers moving to far more personalized promotions. So it'd be the idea of what am I trying to get you to purchase? What discount do I need to offer you in order to get you to transact and how I'm actually going to message it? And so if I'm, as an example, far more price sensitive than Tamara is, I might get a 40% off for toys and mask goods, but a much shallower discount on beauty when I'm willing to pay full price. It might be different for tomorrow, but we see that coming through. And obviously retailers that have collected customer data through loyalty and membership programs are really able to tailor the experience. We think that's one of the best ways to manage that. 
The one other note I'd have for retailers to be really thoughtful about how much inventory you're holding and the cadence of the holiday season and the desire to kind of get clean from an inventory perspective towards the end of December means that you should be quite targeted on what products are eligible for the deepest discounts, targeting those or moving those towards goods that have high or excess inventory. I think another thing that will be really important for retailers this holiday season is to provide inspiration to consumers. So while consumers do want to trade down, around a third of them say that they also want to splurge basically at the same time. This is especially true of younger and higher income consumers who say that in, in great numbers. So what can retailers do with this? Thinking about how to inspire consumers. So for example, there might be a lot of consumers who want their houses to look fantastic for their in-person celebrations and might not want to spend as much, but love the idea of engaging their kids, you know, putting crafts together and making something really special for a holiday celebration, putting out Instagram videos on that, putting out YouTube videos saying like, here's how you can assemble things to make the best possible holiday season can create a sense of urgency and a sense that consumers want to spend and there's a reason to spend. And then they can be paired with, as Colleen said, personalized promotion to say, hey, have you thought about this product? You know, have you thought about what you could do with this product? We do think that will be extra helpful this year in helping consumers navigate when they're going to trade down and when they're going to spend. So, right. Okay. So trading down, you know, like you said, 79% of consumers are doing it, whether that's like by seeking out lower priced options or buying smaller pack sizes or shifting to private label, right? So consumers are looking, looking for value. And as they become more careful and selective about what they buy, as you've said, personalization becomes more important. What are some of the best retailers doing on that front? Um, and what does it take to sort of supercharge personalization? Are there, are they using new technology? Are they hiring more people? Are they using different channels to personalize? Maybe say a little bit about what's working out there. What's working from a personalization perspective is really starting from a, a quite strong data foundation. We found over the last 12 to 24 months, retailers continue to invest behind data. Some of that is going into the media networks that we're seeing across the vast majority of the top 25 retailers, but they're also targeting or, or using that to think about personalization across the full end-to-end -end shopping journey. So, you know, Monica, when you log in, what type of assortment should I show you on the homepage? How often am I talking to you and over what mediums? How much email, how much Instagram and Facebook, how much pop-ups in, in your app? Really thinking in an exhaustive way how to impact and drive your consumer journey. And then finally, really thoughtful customer lifecycle management. So making sure that if Tamara is at risk for churning, she hasn't come back to make a purchase yet this holiday season, I'm going to really uh, launch targeted efforts to reach her. So that would be perhaps a deeper promotion. It might be a more tailored message specific to what Tamara's bought in the past, but real thoughtfulness around ensuring that the customers that you have relied on continue to come back.
I think that's particularly important for this holiday season. Just as folks trade down, they are more willing to switch retailers or consider new products. And so if you're someone, if you're the retailer who had the spend previously, that high degree of personalization and tailoring will be important to retain customers and continue to drive lifetime value. Retailers who are doing this well have gathered a lot of data about their consumers. So how many of them and which ones of them are opening which emails, which emails are drawing people in, which are not. So gathering that data, having a place for it, and then using AI, Gen AI, with not only the data, but also the way consumers are reacting to gather information about what is working and what is not working. And again, not for all consumers, for Monica, for you, for Colleen, for me, because all of our profiles are really different. Whether it's Gen AI or traditional AI, maybe you can talk a little bit about what role technology is playing or new technologies uh, in helping retailers serve consumers better during this busy season. AI is key as you think about personalized promotion and those retailers who've been using it for a while and continuing to enhance their capabilities at it are able to do it at a different level than those who are not yet taking full advantage. Gen AI is still a wide open field where a lot of retailers are experimenting with a lot of things. Gen AI can be used in the front line. So for example, when a sales associate approaches someone looking for electronics, Gen AI can be used to understand what questions might elicit a good response. And if consumer asks a question, what are some of the things that are going to be most powerful? You know, what is a response that's going to be really, really helpful for that sales associate to, to give to that consumer? Gen AI is also being used to gather consumer comments as a whole and say, you know, what are the themes and reactions that consumers have to what's on offer? And those retailers and companies that are able to quickly gather and then synthesize what consumers are saying almost in real time are then able to adjust what they're doing. So it's almost test and learn on steroids with not only putting out an offer and looking at sales, but putting out an offer or putting out a product and seeing what consumers say in their everyday digital lives about something, gathering that back and synthesizing it, using it to serve consumers better. I think we're also seeing quite a bit of that online with meaningful, meaningful improvements in the quality of chatbots on retailer websites. This is critically important because more folks are continuing to do research online as well as in store. But when I'm online, you still want to have that guided shopping experience. And so these chatbots can recommend a product specifically to you or based off of what you're browsing, what you might want to look at next. So we'll see some leading retailers with that capability this holiday season. I would expect even more broad adoption next year. Another use of technology this year will be for inventory management and getting supply in the right place. So one of the implications of consumers trading down, switching retailers, switching brands, and being omnichannel, looking for everything at all points, if something's not there when they want it and not able to be delivered when they want it, there's a high likelihood they will go somewhere else. They won't wait for it. So using all technology to make sure that consumers not only have what they need when they want it, managing through dark stores, you know, looking at which products are selling quickly, making sure that there's replenishment of that sooner, 
but then also being transparent with consumers. So they might click to buy something. It's not available now, but it will be available at this point and we can get it to you. The more transparency you can offer consumers, the more likely it will be that you'll retain the sale. I think that's exactly right, Tamara. And, and this is particularly important within the apparel space where inventory is in effect perishable. And the jacket that I'm wearing now, I might be able to sell for $80 this week. But if I, you know, next week it will be down to 40 because we need to, to mark that down. And so that view of where is all of the inventory, holding it in locations that allow most effective fulfillment and then managing some of that out of or both out of stock risk and markdown risk is critically important. Like I do not envy my apparel clients that are working on inventory positioning. It's a tough, tough problem. And that's probably a very natural lead into probably the last place where technology will continue to see a big role from a holiday perspective. And that's the fundamentals of fulfillment. And so given the combination of inventory positioned all through the retailer supply chain, greater focus on speed and fast fulfillment in continued shopping online means that retailers who haven't yet invested in automation, haven't yet invested in robotics, will feel far more pressured than those that have really state-of-the-art, each picking online fulfillment locations. What are the sort of delivery dynamics this year? So we're not dealing with like the severe supply chain disruptions like in years past, right? Are you anticipating that people will buy more online and trust that it'll get shipped to their homes? Or will there be more curbside pickup or BOPIS, right? Buy online pickup in store. And what's the willingness to pay for same day or next day delivery? We'll see people continue to shop in store and take purchases home with them. But for those that are shopping online, the big differences I think last year versus this year is a, a tick up in next day delivery and same day delivery. So about 32% of consumers expect to use some version of expedited fulfillment. And that expedited fulfillment is a challenge for retailers that, that do not have a national distribution network unless they're using their, their stores. And then we absolutely will have about 12% that will continue to come in store to pick up. That is a preference based off the category, particularly high value electronics. We continue to see picked up in store to prevent theft. Sometimes you want to look and feel and make sure the product is exactly what you had in mind. So that 12% is quite important. And when you look overall at Gen Z millennials, over 50% are saying that they're willing to pay more for expedited delivery. What we certainly see during the rest of the year is likely to be true as well. Sometimes this is I'll add something to the cart so I can get it faster and I might buy more just to make sure I'm not paying for shipping. That might, might be what actually happens. But what we are seeing is that there are more and more consumers saying, you know, listen, during the holiday season, I understand there might be times I don't find what I want till, you know, right, right before I need it and I'll pay to get it in the time frame I need. One more thing with respect to fulfillment methods, particularly if we take more of a retailer angle and a cost lens, fulfillment in store, so having someone come into your location, is by far the most effective means of online fulfillment. You also have the added benefit of when I get someone physically into my store, there is a good chance that you'll remember, oh, goodness, I forgot X, Y, Z. Let me add that in. And, oh, that would be really nice for so-and-so. What is interesting and uh, came out of the survey is that for folks that decided to do curbside or in-store pickup, 
4% of the time, it was because they got a targeted promotion or the ability to earn extra points by coming into the store. And so that's certainly something that retailers should consider as we think about that holistic end-to-end journey and the right level of personalization, the right amount of promotions. Consumers are responding to offers that drive them into the store. So you've both now, you know, alluded to differences between demographic groups, right? So say more about those. Gen Z, for example, expressed some preferences, according to the survey, that are different from those of older consumers, right? For example, Gen Z ranked quality as a slightly more important consideration to them than price when doing their holiday shopping. And Gen Z is also the cohort that saw the largest decline in intent to splurge. What's going on there? So I think one of the things always to think about when we see surveys is that what people say and what people do are not the same thing. But what we do see with Gen Z and millennials to a certain extent, but definitely with Gen Z, is that there's a lot of excitability and a lot of openness to change. And our Gen Z and millennials say both that they're going to trade down more and that they're going to splurge more. They're just more movable. But one thing we see that they say and we think they are doing very differently is how they're engaging in omni-channel. So the number of Gen Z and millennials who say that they're using social media as inspiration is a lot higher. The number that are saying that they're going first to a brand website to an app before going in store is a lot higher. But as Colleen said, stores are still in their equation. So this is true omni-channel experience. I think Tamara hit all of the big differences, the one we see amplification and the trend for Gen Z in particular towards faster fulfillment. So if you take the combination of same day delivery and curbside pickup, it's over a third of Gen Z consumers expect to get that product same day in one way or another. Only about a quarter are willing to tolerate multiple day delivery, which has become the standard. And so it is some combination of I bought it, I want to get it quickly in my hands. The other is the younger consumers want to see when the product shipped, exactly when it's coming. It adds to that immediacy. What's your favorite example of like a fun holiday thing that a retailer is doing that is actually proving to be pretty effective? One of the things that struck me in the survey results was like one of the reasons for people shopping was like, I just want something fun to do. (laughs) It was a, you know, pretty high up there. Just want something fun to do. I think if you take the, the trends around social media, Instagram, YouTube, and you take the theme around inspiration, finding ways to provide that inspiration through Pinterest boards, through Instagram through YouTube videos and really thinking about micro influencers. And they're talking about something they're super passionate about. We're seeing some retailers really tap into that. Friends and family have always been a huge source of inspiration and shopping. And I think friends and family right now has a very, very broad definition. And you might have your favorite YouTuber who is your inspiration for what you get. One other thing I, that I get really excited about coming into the holiday period is thinking about almost like a block party or groups of retailers and food and beverage players that get together to create unique experiences. And so something that I did last year is there was a store that had little holiday crafts for my 
then at the time, 18 month old, now, now two and a half year old. So we do some crafts. There was conveniently a place next door where we could get some cocktails as we were unwinding from the holiday craft. And then, you know, a, a wide set of you know, shopping just right around there. And so I'd really encourage retailers to think about their natural adjacencies from a physical perspective and how you can almost, you know, create a real destination and a reason for customers to come in. It is often that combination of family activities, lots of complementary retail brands together so that you can feed off of each other's traffic. And, you know, obviously in New York, there there's nothing that is more joyous than seeing the city decorated, everybody out and about some holiday crafts um, and, um, you know, some spiked hot chocolate, needless to say. Oh, yeah. Hot chocolate or warm apple cider. Sounds great. And I totally agree. New York City is magical during the holidays. Colleen and Tamara, thank you so much for joining us. And to our listeners, I wish you all a peaceful, safe and joyful holiday season. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the McKinsey on Consumer and Retail podcast. A transcript of this conversation will be posted on McKinsey.com very soon. To suggest topics for future episodes, email us at consumer underscore podcast at McKinsey.com. To stay connected with us, subscribe to our email alerts on McKinsey.com. Thanks again for listening.